an indication during the Word with the Wise of what the sermon for the morning will be like. This morning, Tina brought her pillow. I get it. <laughs> Let us pray. Startle us, O God, with your truth and your love. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, may they be acceptable in your sight. For you, O Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. During the last month or so, we've been reading a series of Jesus' parables. In parables, God is described lots of different ways. In this part of the Gospel of Matthew, God is described variously as a shepherd who will risk it all to save one lost sheep, a temperamental king who is profoundly forgiving. And in today's lesson, God is described as the owner of a vineyard who has unusual standards for compensation. Each of these is an allegory. The comparisons are always incomplete. And no matter how many of these parables we tell, God will always be something of a mystery. So sometimes the best way to talk about these parables is to look at the other characters in the story, the ones we can compare to ourselves. For they feel the same feelings and exhibit the same strengths and flaws as many of us. In today's story about that owner of the vineyard, we meet some laborers at the start of a day of work. And by the end of the workday, those laborers can be best described by one word. And it's my guess that you'll be able to see the face of someone you know as soon as I say this one word. The word is this. Bitter. Bitter. One of the great preachers of the last century, Fred Craddock, was wise to call attention to this important word, a word about us and about our relationships with other people and with God. It's a word so descriptive that there's a taste that goes with it. Bitter. What face do you see? I see a professional person who worked like crazy to earn a promotion only to see a newer employee figure out how to get the same thing much faster. Bitter. I see a young, newly married couple. She's pregnant. They're at the airport. He's wearing a uniform and he's getting ready to board a plane. Bitter. I see the owner of a small-town store. She inherited the store from her mother. She works like crazy to keep the costs down and to make customers feel recognized and respected. I see the look on her face when a Walmart opens across the street or when the Amazon delivery truck drives by. Bitter. I see myself. 
About a decade ago, 29 years old, walking to work in Chicago. It's a beautiful sunny afternoon and the sidewalks are teeming with baseball fans and young adults having drinks in the sidewalk restaurants and I'm on my way back to church for the fourth service of the day. Bitter. The thing about being bitter is that it's not such a horrible thing. It's a natural emotion. We're going to feel it from time to time. And much of the time it is the result of our own choices, choices that we would make over again. It's just so hard to remember your blessings when your circumstances suddenly don't feel as good as they once did. Or when someone else seems to have it better. And bitterness can be dangerous. If it gains too much power in our lives, if it overcomes us with anger and keeps us from appreciating our blessings or from feeling and acting generously toward other people and their blessings. Bitter. Think of one more. I see laborers. They've been at work since the sun came up. Six o'clock in the morning. They were promised a day's wage, and they got it. But so did another group of workers who were hired at nine o'clock in the morning, and another group at noon, and one at three, and a group at five o'clock, just one hour before quitting time, all received the same wage. Can you see those workers from sunrise? Bitter. I imagine there are many of you who remember this story. You've heard it before. I'm going to walk through it slowly and point out a few important details. Early in the morning, this landowner goes to the marketplace in search of laborers. Finding them there, he hires a group, promising them the usual daily wage for a day's work in the vineyard. It was the usual daily wage. It was not a lot, but by the standards of this economy, it was fair. The deal is struck. The laborers go to work. The landowner will return to that same marketplace and recruit additional workers at 9 o'clock in the morning, at noon, and at 3 p.m. Importantly, on each of these occasions, his, inv his invitation is different than it was at the crack of dawn. No particular sum of money is named. There is no mention of a daily wage. Instead, the owner invites these laborers, saying, go out into the field, and I will pay you what is right. This is a different kind of offer. It requires some degree of trust. Imagine someone to come and work on your property. Or imagine starting service with a cable provider. And imagine that you simply say, I will pay you what is right. This is an arrangement that requires some degree of trust on both sides. 
Now, at 5 o'clock in the afternoon, with one hour remaining in the workday, the landowner returns to the marketplace one more time. Finding workers there, he asks them, why are you standing here idle? And when they say that no one has hired them, he simply replies, you also go out into the field. This time, there's no mention of compensation whatsoever. Just an invitation to work. And they go. The drama of the story comes when the owner invites all of these workers to stand before his manager at the end of the day, and he pays them all the same wage. I tell the story highlighting the details that I did for a reason. Most of the time, this story, which I'm sure many of you have heard, is characterized as being about the distinction between justice and grace. Human beings expect justice. They expect everyone to get exactly what they deserve. But God is different. God is interested in grace and pays no attention to justice or fairness. There are certainly other Bible stories that make this same kind of point. But in this story, when we look closely and pay attention to the invitation from the landowner to the workers, we see something else going on for the owner here does something else. This owner, the one who stands in the place of God, practices both justice and grace. The owner gives the workers who are hired first exactly what he agrees to give them. And when he makes a more vague argument to pay what is right to the additional workers, it turns out that he can be trusted to be more than just, more than fair. And when an invitation comes at the 11th hour simply to go and work, there is something about this landowner and this landowner's vineyard that convinces people to go to work even when no compensation is mentioned. People seem to know that with this landowner, people always get more than they deserve. Well, once everyone is paid, there is an exchange between the workers who were hired first and this landowner. They accuse him of treating them poorly when he has done no such thing. He paid them what he said he would, but they are offended by his generosity to the workers who come later in the day. And the landowner acknowledges the feeling of offense when he asks of them, Are you envious because I am generous? These laborers are bitter. They long to feel superior for the work that they have done, and they take offense when someone they feel is undeserving is allowed to share in a level playing field with them. Did you hear what they said to the owner about the workers who come later in the day? They said to the landowner, You have made them equal to us? Bitter. 
Fred Craddock, the preacher I mentioned earlier, said that the thing about bitter people is that they are at war with themselves. There's a conflict in their hearts about a gray area of life. They are bitter because they make assumptions about the way the world is supposed to work, what is just and what is fair and what people deserve. But the problem is that they have also heard these stories about the God they worship. And that God is a generous God. That God is a God who forgives willingly and who gives abundantly. This God made something good out of the life of Jacob, who betrayed his own brother, and Rahab, who was a prostitute, and David, who became a murderer because of his own greed and lust. This is the God who sent Jesus. Jesus told a story about a prodigal son who was welcomed home, and a woman caught in adultery whose accusers would not cast the first stone. This Jesus hung from a cross innocently and said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. This is a God who forgives people and provides for good life even to those who have made serious mistakes. This God wants us to understand that other people can have something without diminishing what has been given to us. This is a God who has enough capacity for generosity to give the full day's wage to those who show up even at the 11th hour. And seeing this kind of God in action confuses us because we think we understand justice. But when we slow down and we take a look at our own lives and our own mistakes, well, then we realize how lost we would be if we ever got what we really deserve. So how amazing is it to consider that the God that we worship gives more? And that's when it hits us. How amazing it must be to be at work in the vineyard of that landowner, that God. Jesus starts this story saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning and hired laborers for his vineyard. And by the end of the story, we should so desire to be laborers in such a kingdom. We should want to be there because it is so much more generous there than in the world that we're used to. And we should want to go any time that we're asked. And the fact is that most of us are not ready to go at sunrise. We want the landowner who will accept us in our lives at 9 o'clock or noon or 3 o'clock or 5 o'clock because most of us are not ready at sunrise. 
And the good news is that God, God keeps coming through the marketplace every hour, all day long, because God accepts us all. We could abandon all of the bitterness and jealousy if only we could start early in the morning every day laboring for a Lord who we knew without question loved us. And that's the message of this story. God does. And that's what this story is about. We come to this story and on a first reading we feel like the ones who have been up at work since sunrise full of bitterness but when we come to the story in its fullness when we receive it honestly we see that most of us come to work only much later in the day and the good news is this that God loves us just as much We believe in a God who keeps walking through the marketplace of life every day, hour after hour, looking for new laborers for the vineyard, for people who want to come along at 9 or noon, 3 o'clock or 5 o'clock. And so perhaps the chief emotion of this story is not bitterness after all. Perhaps it's something more like desire and even a little bit of envy. For we who arrive at that vineyard later in the day and see what goes on there, the abundant and forgiving and gracious living that happens in that vineyard, we look at the people who have been there earlier than we arrived and we have to think of ourselves and say how I wish I'd been here at sunrise 